nudity, parental discretion and violence, uh, domestic violence, and uh, concussion. Don't try this out. Welcome back. It's week number five of the G to G Cut podcast. Don't try this at home. Don't try. Well, then what are we doing? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I'm Keith. Hey, what's up, you guys? That's Vince. We're here for the week number five of the G to G podcast. We want to thank everybody for tuning in and giving God us the support you have. Yeah, he sure is. We God, thank you for the support that you've been giving us. Uh, all the comments you've been leaving for us. I'll get. To, I'll try to get some of those during the break uh, coming up here uh, about midway through. I uh, want to let you know we are available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, and TuneIn. So if you use those apps, you can find us very easily and subscribe to us. You don't have to worry about going through all those steps with podcasts.com. We try to make it easy as, as easy as possible for you to subscribe and to follow us and to get this information out to you and your friends. Uh, so please hit that subscribe button. Let everybody else know uh, what we're doing here and and that they need to jump on board with us because this podcast is all about forgiveness. You know, Keith, that's pretty amazing, man. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and, and some other uh, podcast sites. I just think that that's a testimony to how powerful these people's, uh, or there's a comment to how powerful these people's testimonies are because they've been through a lot. And you can hear it in the stories and you can hear it in their voices. That's another thing that the forgiveness that I'm talking about isn't just you forgiving them. You have to realize they've done some very horrible things. They'll tell you themselves, despicable. They were trophies for the devil. Wow. And this episode is full of some very despicable stuff. This is the warning for you to let you know if there's any kids listening there's no foul language but it's very graphic they talk about prison what's the name of this episode oh this episode is called gladiator school that's because that's they were in prison so that's right they talk about the things that happened in prison the things that wound them up in prison or wound wound them up going to going prison, to prison in the first right. place exactly so, so this week guys it's very important that you hit that subscribe button because this is week number five and Real shortly, real soon here, the actual documentary Absolutely. will be available. Yeah, we'll get that out probably after Thanksgiving sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, let's start off this Gladiator School episode, school episode and get straight to it. And uh, cool. who's the first one? Art Blahos, I believe. Art Blahos. This is the man himself. Yeah, his story is unbelievable. People at 16, 18, 19, they're either finishing high school, looking to college to get a degree, you know, a scholarship, whatever, in sports. But me, I wanted to go to San Quentin Prison. That was, now was they got the Pelican Bay, they got Corcoran, Mule Creek, they got all kinds of new prisons. But then it was San Quentin Folsom, so with that, we called them the Gladiator Schools. And that was my, uh, <clears throat> something that I looked for, forward to, no matter what the price, no matter who had to be hurt, I wanted to be known as a man that was respected, that was feared, had a good name in the neighborhood, and finally, get my degree from uh, San Quentin State University. I tell other people that's, that's where I got my degree from, Penn State. It's a joke. I did. I stayed at Bolsom. I got, I got hit in Bolsom, twisted from my heart. I put my arm, and I went to the shoe program. For those who don't know hit, what, what do you mean by hit? Hit means when you stab somebody. You got a hit on you. You stab and you stick to somebody. And there's, there's no guns and knives there. It's just, it's just know how you got to make your own knife. You got to know how to make your knife. You got to know how to make your bomb. You got to do everything. He's like a soldier in there. He's like a gladiator in school. So that's what I learned. 
Gladiator school. Isn't that something else, Keith? Man, you know, yeah. it's it's crazy how, you know, you go into to jail for doing something kind of violent, and then when you get to gladiator school, well, you're supposed to be re- rehabilitated while you're there. You're, you're supposed to be rehabilitated, right? But it seems like they be even, they could even become more violent than what they were when they get out. He said, "I had to learn how to make a weapon, a knife, a bomb, making a. You learn how to do that in prison. So it's a, it's like like Art said, it's it's finishing school." That's right. State raised. And Art, uh, well, the, the next guy that's, uh, that's coming up, uh, Big Al, he had, well, remember he was talking about going to Vietnam and, they, and when he was getting arrested, the police thinking he had advanced training. Well, he was just, you know. What, what he learned on the streets. And it, but he got there and got more advanced training. And then he came back and went to college and then he got arrested and he went to gladiator school and got more advanced training. So he was on a path in a system that was just perpetuating violence. All violence, all bad. All the time. At first, you're a little fearful, but then after, it's just like going home. You know everybody that's going to be there. You know, if you're a handball player, you're going to join the handball, you know, thing. And if you're a baseball, see who's playing baseball. And like that. You know what gangs you're going to click up with, you know, for protection. I did a six-year term of that, and it ended up being a, a whole six years. Years that you get well. Usually, when you first go, you get a, you get you know you get a job and you get half time. But when you get into the prison system and you're a gangbanger, things are different. When you get into prison and you get into structure, you know, like being a skinhead most of my life, and you get in there, you know, I mean, you got you got rules you got to follow, you got things you got to do, especially being that young age, you know. Get sent out as a torpedo, and uh, you know, there's things you got to do in there. Yeah, I used to get visits from your family, uh, stuff like that. I used to get visits for your family, my, your, my family. The, uh, the homies, most of the time your homies can't come see you because they got a record or they got some warrants, or you know, you usually come on your own. You know what I'm saying? But the funny place about jail, I man, jail is, you know, you get to jail, and then all of a sudden you see. Dude from around the corner from you. Are you here? The homies is down here. Twelve is twelve homies from your neighborhood right down there. And then, so it's like such a comfort zone. I'm on the streets with you now. So we we behind the walls together now. Is this and it just makes the bond just so much stronger. And, and that's when you know, like you know, gangbanging is a cult, man. It's a cult atmosphere. You know what I mean? Straight up, it's a cult uh, atmosphere that breeds. Uh, self-destruction. One of the things they talk about, a very common thread is the bond and the breeding the, uh, the, of the, of the uh, that they feel in prison when they, when they get put behind bars together. And it's one thing the prisons do wrong is, is click everybody else up. He was, they both talked about you running to people from the old neighborhood and you, you're allowed to start that tribalism right again, right in prison. That's right. You know, Keith, it, one, of the, one of the big things that it does is it, it continues to perpetuate uh, racism. It absolutely you, you, does. You have the blacks over here, you have Mexicans over here, you have uh, whites and skinheads on, on, on this side. And not only does it perpetuate it, it's hard enough walking down the street every day, you know, and a lot of people think that, you know, you hear these comments about racism all the time and, and people roll their eyes. But, you know, try and be in a six foot six, 300 pound, 300 pound black guy. You get right, looked at, right. at one who's completely 
above the above board, follows the law, never been in any trouble whatsoever, and you still get followed and you still get pulled over and you still get questioned and profiled for things. And now that people are having it happen to them, they're seeing it coming to a head. Well, prison perpetuates that just by, by making it worse. Now they're in an environment, they call it they call it gladiator school because they have to learn how to make bombs to protect themselves. Knives, knives, bombs, you know, it. Yeah, and, and so we have a system that doesn't help. That doesn't help the problem at all. Is, is, Not at all. Matter of fact, I even think it, it it makes the problem. It worse. exacerbates the problem. It, it makes it, it absolutely, worse. Does. absolutely does. I think we have some continued uh, testimony to support that coming up right now. You riding, you riding on the bus, man. You got these grown men, so young. You probably weigh about forty-five. These dudes biceps is bigger than your whole head. What you gonna do? You either gonna roll with the punches or you gonna be the one being known. Yeah. And I had made up my mind then, man, I got to stand up. First person asked me where I'm from, I'm gonna serve them immediately. What I mean by serving them, I served them with a strap, which was a knife. And I made me an example of somebody. Don't 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 bother him. Yeah. And that, that's how I dealt with it for the rest of all my life. I've been that way. I'm gonna set an example for you. I'm gonna let you know. And, at that time, I guess that's what I'm saying. Came in too mean to live, and I'm fit to die. I found the Lord. I come back home. I feel the society owe, owe, owe me something, so I, I pimp society with the word of the Lord, just like the devil did, just like the devil do. It ain't nothing there. That's the same way he does. He'll offer you the world. He, he'll, he'll give you anything you want, but it only lasts for a minute. Short-term pleasure for long-term suffering, you know what I'm saying? He'll, he'll make it seem like it's all good for a hot second, but then when all that when, oh, depression going to come, oh, tragedies going to come, and then then you turn around and be like, why God allowed this? No, God, God did not put that on you, you know what I'm saying? You put that on yourself because the choices that we make, you know what I'm saying? Wow, Keith, you know, the, the choices that we make, yeah. that's what it's all about. We have to be accountable for the choices that we make, you know? It doesn't seem like prison's making people, uh, teaching people the critical thinking skills to understand the, uh, their accountability. It's just warehousing oh, them. not at all. That's all they're doing. They're is, just warehousing, is, is warehousing people. people you yeah. know? You, you, they're not accountable for their actions. They, they're going in, they're coming out, and it's like they re, it's repeating the same thing over and over. And you know the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah, that's that's insanity. All the tricks and everything that we think we're getting away with, devil been using that from ever since he fell from heaven. It ain't nothing new. So what I did when I went in there and I found the Lord inside, I came back out. Yeah, the Lord loves you and loves you and, and up in the church getting all the females just like the devil will. Huh? But you know what? The Lord can't make a fool out of him you'll make a fool out yourself trying to, you know. So I made a fool out myself. You know, I wasn't worthy of, of, you know, what I thought I knew. The Lord stripped the knowledge from my mind, took the word out of my mouth, and sent me back to penitentiary with another 27 years to life. But we'd have broke back. Uh, when you first get to prison, you're scared, but you, of course you're covered up. Because to show any kind of, you know, fear is weakness, so... You put on, you know, your coldest uh, face, your hardest uh, demeanor. <clears throat> but also, a lot of times, by that time, you're already conditioned. You're trained. It's like camp and youth authority and juvenile hall. They're like basic training. So by the time you get there, you know most of the people anyway. You know, you grew up with them. So it's not that, you know, like unfamiliar, but you're conditioned. 
condition. Now to go at that level like San Quentin or Pelican Bay, like from the streets and never commit any crime, that'll be a total shock. You probably lose your mind. But a lot of times, I we call it state raised. And I was state raised. Now the fellas were state raised. We know what that is. And uh, like in my in my situation, the state raised me. They fed me. Then they tried to kill me, like the fatted calf. What type of feeling is that to have now somebody say dead man walking, and you don't know Jesus? That was Art Blahos with the Victory Outreach Church Organization. That's right. He's the author of the book, Blood In, Blood Out. And we'll be back with his answer right after the break. Oh, Vince and I would like to thank everybody for their continued support. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Spreaker. So find your favorite app and download it and favorite us. Tell your friend, tell your family. Uh, I'm going to keep this short again because this is dark content again this week. And I want to keep it moving here. Uh, I'll have some new music for you featured next week. It's Christopher Dion, a friend of mine from Japan. I've known him for quite a few years, probably about 30. Fantastic singer, musician. Um, Great music. I'll have that for you to look forward to next week. Thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, because this podcast is not only about forgiveness, it's about inner peace. We'll be right back. That's a lot of wasted time, Keith. 17 years in prison straight. Yeah. It, it, it just goes to show how how 
that all that time in prison, it didn't re- rehabilitate him. Something else had to rehabilitate him. So there's a broken, something broken in that system. Right. That, that, that affects uh, your life, your, your family. That's a, next week's episode is going to be about families and some solutions that's, uh, uh, or some underlying uh, uh, um, similarities in, in, that, that for where one industry or not industry, one thing leads to the next. And, and some, uh, some of these societies where the school dropout rate is, correlates with the prison intake rate and correlates with the murder rate and, and the crime rate. Is, it's, right. it's all, it's all, uh, it's all tied together. It's, it's all, all hand, 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 hand in hand. And these next two stories are pretty tragic because one is about how Roberts is about how he got involved in the gangs in the first place and, and the toll it took on his family. And the next guy is uh, after Robert is Ivan. That's a tragic story. This guy was 14 years old and gang members came into his house because they thought it was a drug house. Yeah, his story broke my heart, man. And killed, murdered his whole family yeah. right in front of him. And the impact that it had on him for the rest of his life and still has on him today. I remember one night in particular, man, it was uh, 16 years old. Um, I was coming out of my mom and dad's house and my dad stopped me. He says, you know what, Robert, man, you, you, need, to, you, you need to stay home. I said, dad, I ain't staying home. And he goes, you know, only three things could happen to you. And I said, what's that? He said, you're either gonna get killed, kill somebody or end up the rest of your life in prison. And I told my dad, you know, dad, you, you don't know, you don't know my homies. They got my back, you know. And later on, I get a whistle, you know, there's a, a whistle, you know, and the whistle was I need help. So I come running out of a room and, and I see one guy on the floor. He's knocked out, you know, and I look around and I see another guy up against the wall. And one of my homies is, you know, beating on him, you know. So this guy on the ground's going to get up. So I said, well, I'll make sure you don't get back up. So as he's getting up. I just began to take care of him, and all of a sudden, I don't. It hits me the dude that confronted me is not around, and I don't see him nowhere. But I start getting hit in the back, and as I'm getting hit, I'm 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 hitting this dude and trying to get this dude off of me, and we're going at it. And after a while, I start getting weak, man. And before you know it, you know, I'm on the ground, you know, and now I got this guy on top of me, and I'm thinking he's punching me. And I'm hitting my way out and trying to take care of business. And uh, somewhere along the line, I guess I collapsed or knocked out. And I remember waking up on the couch, you know, and no T-shirt on. And I'm like, you know, look, and everyone's standing around me. There's a big group of people. And I look over to my uh, left hand here, and right in this area, there's my blood shooting out like seven feet. Man, I'm looking like Niagara Falls, and I'm like, hey. So they bring me to the hospital and they take me in the room and start sewing me up. As they're sewing me up, the nurse is counting six, seven, eight, nine. I'm thinking, what's she counting? Eight, nine, 10, 11. I said, 11 what? She says, 11 stab wounds. And I looked at her, you know, and so I had just got shanked 11 times, you know, at this party. And here, you know, I'm in the hospital, and I look out in the hallway, man. I go to look for my homies, you know? And you know who's out there? Mom and pops. My mom and dad are out there, and my brothers and my sister. And I seen something I'd never seen before, man, which I didn't realize the hurt I was putting on my family. I see my mom's look. I see my dad's look of, of that terror that, you know, this is my son. Do you think 
uh, what happened to you when you were a young kid and, and you saw first firsthand you know, your family uh, being murdered in front of you? Do you think that's what led up to you and, and your events going to prison and going to jail and having three strikes? I mean, it played a part, of course. I mean, I don't, I can't sit here and say if you removed that from the equation, I would not have ended up in prison or. I would have. I don't. I, no one can say. You know, I can say that it played its part in me. You know, going down the roads that I, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I went and leading to 20 years in prison. You know, of course it did. You know, it was. A, well, like I say, I, I was 14. And I, I don't. Other people give me credit for being a little more advanced and, you know, my age or whatever. You know, all I know is that man. It's just. It's quite obvious that. Uh, you know. I have to protect myself the best way I can because can't nobody tell me that they can do it for me because you just proved that you couldn't. You know, mm -hmm. the privacy of my own home, I lost four of my family members. Due to violence, and my question is why, you know? So I asked, these are the things that I, I was focusing on while others were going through what they may have been going through, uh, including those who were supposed to supervise me as a youth, you know, continuing on. No one could tell me, and I think my conviction was there. I mean, to the point where no one interfered with me doing whatever I had to do to learn. Because it wasn't that I just went wild. It was like, you can't ask me to sit in the house. It ain't safe to sit in the house. Mm. You know, so what are you talking about? Don't go to the streets. I don't want to be up in here. It came to here. I'm out here in the streets to stay away from what happened. It's a defense mechanism. But you can't tell, you know, the average mind that. You can't tell your mother that. You know, it's hard to rationalize with her that you are a soldier now. You know, not because you chose to be, but because you were hit that hard. And it's like Nakasaki. They weren't expecting that, but it happened. And so now you're on the defense now. You, we ain't got time for the soap operas. I'm getting shut up. You know, we have to deal with this reality. This is our reality now. You know, my flesh is burning from napalm. And don't, I don't, all that other stuff you're talking about, it don't mean nothing. Okay, so in my world, it was the same way. Don't tell me about going to school. To go to school, I got to carry a firearm to get there. This is another good place to leave off this week. We want to thank everybody for listening. We told you that it was going to get dark. We apologize if it offended anybody, but uh, the realness of these testimonies is what makes it so powerful. Uh, and the forgiveness that it takes to, to uh, share these stories with somebody that you don't even know. So before you judge, think about that. They're sharing these stories with you and your family to help keep you from going through the same type of situation yourselves. So with that said, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget we're on Google. We're on uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, several other apps. You can find us out there. Uh, let your friends and family know. Tell your enemies because this podcast is all about forgiveness. We'll see you next week. <laughs>